Hey, welcome to Genre Exposure, a film podcast. Join us as we explore the wide world of cinema, broadening our horizons one movie at a time. I'm one of your hosts, Dustin, and as usual, I'm here with Michael. Hey, guys. And Jason. Hey, everyone. But uh, Dustin, if you can now on introduce me as Rock's Chosen Warrior, I would appreciate it. Thank you. Hmm. Join us next time with our new um, guest host. You keep threatening to get rid of me, but you haven't so far. It's because you're probably the most popular one based on reception that we've actually had from people. Oh, God. We're in trouble. Uh, so what's up, guys? How you doing? <laughs> doing good, man. I just keep... Jason specifically has um, the Trick or Treat soundtrack. Um, Hell yeah, dude! Sitting here on the on the table, and he keeps pointing at me. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> I wish that you'd not point it at me. I do like that you've been bringing uh, a physical component. Sure, I think it recording. helps. You know, it gets into the spirit, into the mood. I'm still gonna make you the um, happy fingers hat someday. I will wear it. <laughs> I'm gonna make it. <laughs> I will gladly wear it. Oh yeah, so we're talking about that movie today, not Happy Fingers. We already did that one. You already listened to that shit. Trick um, or treat. Trick or treat. And our ongoing Halloween extravaganza. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Wasn't as uh, excited, yeah, as I probably should have given for that. <laughs> Mostly because I'm a little um, freaked out by the CD that's staring at me right now. Is it really oh, that it looks, freaking it looks badass, yo. It, dude? It's a cool cover. It's got Sammy Kerr. Got his guitar. It's got a flaming pumpkin behind him. What's on? I don't know. It kind of looks like a... Get you in the spirit. Halloween, yeah, heavy metal. I, I mean, that album's cooler than the movie, so. Okay, well, we'll get to that. <clears throat> How are you doing, Dustin? I'm good. Excellent. Happy to be here. Happy Excellent. to talk film. Wonderful. Yeah. So, like <laughs> usual, let's warm up with a little bit about what we've been watching recently. Okay, I didn't think my prop would throw Michael off so much. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it does. Okay. What have you been watching, Dustin? You want to go first? I can, yes. So, I've been on that bender that I talked about with anime, but I'm going to loop it back into film again. Okay, thank you. Yes, you see how I do that? <laughs> so a film podcast. Yes. A fucking film podcast. <laughs> hmm. Okay, so, <laughs> there is, uh, they call them light novels in Japan, and they're sort of like, uh, I guess you would almost call it YA fiction, in a sense, it's generally meant for younger audiences. Um, okay, you say light novel, I'm picturing like a holographic projection no, no, or something. No, 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 you know? It's very Japanese. Yeah. Um, and they usually include like little pages of artwork, very like anime, manga style, um, every so often, like between chapters or stuff like that. Cool. Um, and they've been a very big resource for inspiring anime that have been adapted from them. And one of the early ones in the late 90s that was super huge was this novel called Boogie Pop and Others. I like that title. Boogie Pop. Boogie Pop, yes. And it's been adapted into all kinds of stuff. They've made a manga out of it. They've made two different animation series. And they made a live-action film in the year 2000, directed by Ryu Kaneda. In the year 2000. (laughs) And it's it's hard to pin down, like, the genre of it almost, because it's it's got elements of horror, elements of sci-fi. It kind of has, like, the anime, like, student school life thing going on. Uh, but in general, this first novel, which is the same premise of the film, uh, it, ha- it follows uh, a group of students at Shinyo Academy, and there's a lot of weird occurrences going on, people vanishing, going missing. There's this new like designer drug on the street that kind of is making people trip out and like hallucinate. And it all relates to this creature that has escaped that they refer to as the Manticore. 
And there's like this seedy, weird, like science organization that's like experimenting on trying to like make the evolution of humanity, whatever like the next thing will be. And they create this creature that like can morph its body, change its appearance, grow like creepy looking claws. Hmm. And it sounds pretty boss. And it feeds by devouring people. Okay. And so it's sort of like at the core of this mystery that's going on. And the other end of this is that there is a one of the students there, uh, Toka Miyashita. She sort of will get possessed by this other entity that calls itself Boogie Pop. And you don't really know if it's like an alternate personality, if it's some sort of like possessing entity mm-hmm. that just is like taking her over. Mm-hmm. But it has this shtick of like anytime something occurs that could threaten the end of humanity, it will manifest itself and try to like hunt down the source of that problem and deal with it. Okay. If they did an American remake, it would be um, cool if they just had her um, uh, possessed by Iggy Pop. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just shows up. Um, I got a lust for life. I got a lust for life. Just and so walking Cheeto. It covers a, a lot of like, it covers a lot of like heavy themes, like with stuff like bullying in school, suicide, drug addiction, uh, the whole smorgasbord of like good '90s Japanese horror themes. Cool. Nice. Is it easily accessible? It is not. I don't think it's streaming anywhere. There's still a DVD. The DVD's only the like coming on. The DVD's only like ten bucks. I want to say on Amazon, it's still in print. Okay, okay. That's very well, easy that's to pick fine. up. Yeah. Okay. Um, even my cheap ass would pay ten dollars to watch it. <laughs> well, that's uh, what I meant. Is it like actually in print? Is yes. It, is it? Yeah. You can go right now. Hit Amazon. Accessible doesn't translate to Michael's interpretation of being free. <laughs> Um, it's <laughs> super fun, super well done. If you like anything like J horror related, I think it'll appeal to you still. And I think I want to say the first six novels have been translated into English, and both of the animes have come over here. So if you dig it, it's very easy to go seek out more of it. Cool. One of these days, Essen's going to show up and be like, "I watched this little film uh, starring uh, Lon Chaney, a uh, little one called London After Midnight." <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to be like, "Is it accessible?" Actually, it doesn't exist. <laughs> some steals we don't uh, you can't find it anywhere it doesn't exist <laughs> but i saw it but i saw it <laughs> i got the blue <laughs> if only <laughs> uh well jason do you want me to go since you're gonna sure shit on you don't know that podcast. okay um, you do know that i do but... know that because we already discussed it okay i went um i was actually just browsing through netflix at kind of the new stuff that had come out and realized like you do. yeah Realized that one had dropped on there that I hadn't ever seen. Um, I always heard my grandfather talk about it, but I never watched it. 1961's The Guns of Navarone. Ooh, that's um, cool. Nice. Starring uh, David Niven, Gregory Peck, Anthony Quinn. Like, kind of those golden age, 50s, 60s. This is a quintessential dad movie. Oh, yeah, for sure. But it's fucking awesome. It's so good. Um, and so, wait, wait, Netflix? Yeah, it was on Netflix, yeah. They get old movies? They do sometimes, yeah. <laughs> They're uh suck it. <laughs> sometimes they even get movies they themselves did not produce. Yeah. Did you know that? Um, so I watched it. Director is Jay Lee Thompson. I don't, I don't really know. Did they just of. put like the Netflix original bar? Over the <laughs> <laughs> Netflix original from 1961. Um, basic premise of this film is that um, I'll give you the IMDb team of allied saboteurs are on an assigned are assigned an impossible mission: infiltrate an impregnable Nazi-held island, destroy the two enormous long-range field guns that prevent the allies from landing. Oh, um, uh, prevent the rescue of two thousand trapped British soldiers. Sorry, hmm. um, it's it's just great old Hollywood. 
um, super cool miniatures involved, like doing all the old war stuff where they nice. blow up miniatures. Um, Gregory Peck is fantastic in it. He's, but I mean, he's Gregory Peck, so he's that same persona and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but the real standout for me was uh, David Niven, who actually played James Bond at one point. Well, unofficially, but yes. Yeah, in Casino Royale, the the old Casino Royale from uh, 67. The less said about that, the better. Jason's um, our Bond expert. <laughs> but he was also in Murder by Death. A um, lot of really classic stuff. Curse of Pink Panther. He's Dude's just a great classic old very British cl- actor. Yeah, very classy. Awesome. Um, this is one of those, if you really like old, um, old war movies, I'm not a big fan of the... Um, I'm probably going to piss some people off here. But I'm not a big fan of the like longest day type movies. Um, John Wayne. I'm not a big John Wayne fan at all. I'm not either. Honestly, there's a few good John Wayne movies, but right, most I, of them are pretty. I just don't. And, I don't really care for those that much. It's all. It's like the John Wayne show. It's never mm-hmm. really about character development or story. I mean, there's some like The Searchers. You know, the man who shot Liberty Violence. Those are really good. Uh, but why is the man who shot Liberty Violence? He's not the good? major character. Yeah, because Jimmy Stewart fucking <laughs> rules in that movie. That's why. <laughs> Um, so I kind of tend to prefer these type of movies. Um, and to me, this would pair really well if you've never seen, um, like Hogan's heroes or stuff like that. I think this would pair really well with that more serious tone. Um, you mean Kelly's heroes? Kelly's heroes. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as it left my mouth, I was like, that's, that's not it. That's something That's else. not it. Kelly's heroes. That's what I'm thinking of. I was sitting here <laughs> nodding and then I was thinking like, wait a minute. Yeah, no. Uh, more serious tone than Kelly's Heroes, but kind of the same. Like <laughs> or Hogan's Heroes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, shit. Um, anyways. Yeah, I really, really dug this one. It's it's a little long for Jason's taste. It's like chewing, It's like over two hours. I long, like a long so. movie as long as it's interesting the entire time. <laughs> but but it's, this, a, this is one of those like Sunday afternoon type movies. Yeah, it probably know? played. Oh, I'm yeah. sure that it, I'm sure that my grandfather had it on many, on TBS many on Sunday, Sunday afternoons, yeah. but I never appreciated it mm-hmm. until I was older, and I was just feeling very reminiscent the other day of like, I just kind of want to you know feel good about what I watched, and it was a lot of fun. It was so <laughs> much fun. I feel you on that though. Growing up, I always hated westerns, and then at a certain age, it just like clicked, and I was like, dude, I love these. Yeah, I think because you get out of like everything our parents like we hate mm-hmm. when we're little. You know, until yeah. we get older and we're like, oh, some of this shit was good. Yeah, I didn't get into Westerns until I watched Sergio Leone stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh. I, oh. I'm kind of the same way with war movies now, too. Nice. You'd, I think you'd really dig this one. It's just great acting. Um, there's a killer explosion where clearly something went wrong. <laughs> and it blew, like, gasoline flames all over a building. And I was like, holy shit! <laughs> like, <laughs> I think that was not intended. Hmm. So, really cool stuff there. and Great acting. So, yeah. That's mine. Awesome. All right, Jason, take us into this. All right. Um, well, I watched a new movie, so I won't go into spoilers or anything, but I watched Malignant. Yeah. James Wan. James Wan film, yes, which I know Dustin loves. I'm a fanboy, yeah. He's a fanboy. Um, I personally did not, <laughs> did not really care for this movie. I went in with an open mind. I'm not the biggest James Wan fan. I, appreciate, I like the first two Conjuring movies. Those mm-hmm. are really good. How do you feel about Dead Silence? I do not like Dead Silence. Oh. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Dustin was just about to rip his headphones off and say, fuck you and leave. I, found, I quit. <laughs> I found Dead Silence to be kind of half-baked. It just mm. wasn't. 
it's like there's a kernel of a good idea. Are you sure you weren't half baked when you were watching? (laughs) I'm positive. I was Mm -hmm. perfectly sober. Uh, Malignant. Yeah. Um, mm. There are things I like about the movie. (laughs) Would you say that it is a love letter to 90s Giallo? I would not say it has anything to do with Giallo. Hmm. It, superficially, yes. There are some garish colors. There's a couple of snatches of this good goblin-esque score. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But most of the time, it's this sub-techno bullshit. It, it's a terrible score. Oh, well, here's the problem. That Here's one of the things. Um, that goblin-esque score, did you recognize what the song was? I did not. It was Pixies, Where Is My Mind. Oh, okay. Done in like a... I'm not sure if that was... That was like one scene, too. It was in a couple. And it, uh, They should have used that, not this... Techno crap I'm not sure gone. if that was intentional or if that was just a blatant ripoff, but I was sitting there like it's got the and I was like, yeah. that's the fucking Pixies. That's the only thing that caught my attention music wise. Yeah, and I think we went over this in our episode on the fifth chord because we really broke down Giallo a lot. There's a certain like series of elements or tropes you have to have, and I think you have to get so many before you cross that line, and it really is Giallo. Mm-hmm. There's some Italian influence for sure, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't say it, it, this is not a Giallo. I watched it as well. I'm the opposite of Jason. I really, really liked it. But I'm 100% with Jason. This is not a Giallo. Yeah. I I personally, honestly, I thought about shutting off halfway through. I really did. Wow. I really did. Wow. Wow. If I didn't need a movie for the podcast, I would have stopped (laughs) watching it. Wow. Because I just did not enjoy this. I didn't care about the characters. The actors didn't engage me. Visually, it's just... (sighs) I've heard people comparing it to those, what were they called, Dark Castle movies of the 90s. Those are all bad, though. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's the problem. And it reminded me of those. Like I, the, the remakes of House on Haunted Hill. One thing, though, I ghosts. think that that I think you will give me, some of that camera work was fucking great. No, there, there, were, some, there were some good camera stuff. There was some distracting CG, though, which... Yeah, uh, I think um, I'm... Thinking of the one where she's running through the house, though, and the camera is full on over top, and you see the entire set piece. Sure, Sam Raimi did it better, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> God damn it. I, I think that's part of the point of this movie. I think it is sort of a throwback to some of those movies. I think it's Juan saying, "Hey, these are some of my inspirations," and he's throwing that in there, which is fine. It just it doesn't come together for me personally. I was really disappointed how much the poster looked like Barbara Steele, and then that had nothing to do with. Mm-hmm. The movie. Yeah. At all. Well, Jason, you're right in line with the random horror groups that I have to trawl in for our podcast. Is that that good or bad? I don't know. No, everybody's hating on this right now. Nobody likes it. Um, You did justify your point, though, which is the the key missing element that every one of these groups don't understand is that you should explain your feelings. Absolutely. I've got some issues that I'd love to talk about once you've seen it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't Um, want to go into spoilers yet. Because I don't. Because part of this movie is the spoiler territory that makes it really fun. Um, for me, I guess it didn't make it fun I will for say, Jason. though I haven't seen it, I have already guessed the twist. Yeah. So it's what maybe, twist? It's maybe not as... Uh, the, yeah. few, the few bits of praise I've seen for it, they really talk about how big and impactful and out of nowhere the twist is. And I'm like... Complete, the mm. first five minutes. <laughs> if you've seen a lot of horror films, oh, yeah, you, you know where it. it's going. You knew what it was going to do. You know? I've got some questions of things that I'm like, okay, I don't understand that from a story point of view, um, but whatever, kind of a thing. But I had fun with it. I really did. Cool. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it.
trick or treat. <laughs> Another 80s uh, slice of cheese. Yep, that seems to be our theme for this October this year. Apparently, yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to super promote it because it was accidental again. I learned my lesson with the uh, <laughs> elevated horror thing. So, No, but I mean, if you're going to go for like, you know, fun... Halloween films, the 80s is a great place to start. We oh, could yeah. sit here and talk about Halloween and Friday the 13th and Maybe do all that, but who day. hasn't sat right. and talked about that? Like, So there's a reason why we're choosing movies that I don't think a lot of people have really given a whole lot of time to, because I don't feel the need to sit and tell you how much I love Halloween. Right. I don't... Right. You get it. Sure. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I could talk about it no. for hours, but... Right. But I don't think anybody wants to hear me talk about it. But this one was from 1986, and I will read the blurb good, good about... Good year. Oh, yeah. 86 was a great year. I was born there. It was a great year for horror films and for heavy metal. And Dustin and I were both Which, born that year. It was a great year for this podcast. Right. <laughs> this podcast would not exist if not for 1986. Right. There's that, too. Sorry. Um, and heavy metal and horror is what this movie is all about. A bullied teenage boy is devastated after the death of his heavy metal idol, Sammy Kerr. But as Halloween night approaches, he discovers that he may be the only one who can stop Sammy from making a satanic comeback from beyond the grave. Why would he want to stop Sammy from doing that? Because Sammy Kerr is not a righteous dude. (laughs) But, like, if... So, off the top, the genre, again, we're on horror comedy again. It's listed as horror comedy places. See, I don't think this is... No. I don't think <laughs> there's intentionally. a lot of there's, there's some unintentional humor, I grant you, but this is not meant to be funny. I, I think it's one of the, the sub-sub-genre of heavy metal horror that was pretty big in the 80s. Oh, yeah. You got movies like Rock and Roll Nightmare, um, <laughs> Shocker, to an extent. It seemed like heavy metal. heavy metal was huge at this time. And it was all over horror. It was on horror soundtracks. It's also all over the media news as well, because this is currently around the time where we've got the... Satanic panic. Yeah, satan. Well... The PMRC trying to get... Exactly, yeah. Bands, I'm thinking of, uh, like, yeah. D. Snyder sitting in front of Congress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind so of a thing. Handing them their asses, too, Yeah. Oh, yeah, way. it's great. If you've never seen that, those videos of D. Snyder just completely being the classiest motherfucker... In a courtroom, still looking like D. Yeah, Snyder and right. being like, well, actually. Because <laughs> he's like, and he even said in interviews, he's like, they don't, they don't expect me to be able to form a coherent sentence. You know, and he goes in and he's prepared and, you know, and he does this great hair flip too during his. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. If that's on YouTube, I'll put it in the show notes. Oh, oh it is. Yeah, it yeah, is. It's, it's very cool. It's great. Um, <clears throat> uh,. So let's start with the soundtrack, because I think the music is very important given the focus of this film. The music, yeah, is very connected with it. Um, yeah, so Sammy Kerr is this fictional heavy metal artist, uh, but the music is performed by a band called Fastway, which was kind of a super group, more or less. Uh, Fast Eddie Clark from Motorhead yeah. left Motorhead and formed this band with the guy from UFO. Um, I mean, I think... Awesome. Probably would have had better luck if he stayed with Motorhead. But. <laughs> well, you know, he went out on his own. I think he was l- looking for more mainstream success. True, and this fa- is, Fastway is very much... It's hair metal. Yeah, yeah, it's more album-oriented rock that you would have heard on FM radio at the time. Yeah, well, I think we can all agree the title track is banging. The title track is fantastic. It's really good. Trick yeah. or treat. You yeah. know, the thing, I think it's interesting, though, that you said we should start out about talking about the music in this movie. 
That's the only fucking music in this movie. This movie doesn't have a goddamn score. Uh, it's got a little bit of score. No, Dustin. It, it has does. a couple moments of somebody it, like... because those. It, it's what you call minimalist, mm-hmm. Michael. Because those little extra pieces are co-composed by Christopher Young, who we should all know because he went on to score Hellraiser, the first two, and worked on a lot of other bigger movies, even stuff like Drag Me to Hell. One of my, I love Drag Me to Hell. One of my biggest complaints about this movie, and I think what makes it look and feel so cheap, is it has no score. There's few moments like interlaced with just some like noise mm-hmm. but there's a whole lot of just acting to silence you're right and i think maybe christopher young was working on the hellraiser score at the time <laughs> he was diverting all of his energy <laughs> to that awesome classic score yeah so he just does a little bit of noodles for this one and fine fine, fine yeah fine. <laughs> <laughs> can you write something there you go <laughs> yeah, Have fun. There you go. i'm working on something better a masterpiece but that really <laughs> bothered me about this movie is that i feel it I don't think it was that bad. It just felt so cheap. You know, I, I honestly didn't realize that until you brought it up. But And there were times where I'm like, just play some goddamn music. Like, this is a heavy metal movie. Right. Just put something behind the kid fiddling with the radio for ten minutes. Like, mm-hmm. give something to build a little more emotion. And yeah. don't rely on the actors to do it, because they clearly don't have the experience to do it. <laughs> One other thing about the whole like music side of things, we have a fun connection to our last film, Terror Vision. Okay. So Terror Vision, they had Wasp, right? That was yeah. an important thing. Oh, right. So Wasp frontman Blackie Lawless actually auditioned to play as Sammy Kerr. That would have been pretty cool. And um, he almost got the role. They offered it to him. Um, and he was hoping that he would get to do the soundtrack and yeah. like, compose everything, do all the music. And then he got told that if he took the role, they already had Fastway on lock, and they had already recorded stuff, and so he would just be lip-syncing to them. And then uh, he refused the role and told them that he didn't need their music when he had his own band to do everything, and he walked away. And he's not wrong. I respect that. I wouldn't have done it. I'm not the biggest Wasp fan, but I mean, <laughs> I respect Blackie all Yeah, but you gotta... He had a vision that he mm-hmm. thought his band could be a good part yeah. of the movie, and maybe he would have made it better. I don't know. Maybe. I think what most people are going to recognize this movie as, because I talked about it with somebody the other day when we were getting ready to watch it. Um, if you've seen the cover of this, um, it always has at the top starring Gene Simmons and Ozzy Osbourne. Yep. On almost every one of them, that's at the very top. Mm-hmm. But starring Gene Simmons for five minutes, starring Ozzy Osbourne for three. Um, but Ozzy kills it. That, that is that <laughs> yeah. is a time honored trope of low budget exploitation yeah. Oh, yeah. movies. You know, you push forward your biggest star sure. and just write on it. Right. So I remember, I, I like I remember seeing this cover so many times. Mm-hmm. Um, like at, at, when Hastings was still around, I would see it and think, like, man, I should probably watch that at some point. I, I mean, I should give a spoiler here. I don't really like Kiss at all. Um, and I don't really like Gene Simmons. Kiss so. has a few good songs, but right, they're they're very very overrated. Um, so I was expecting in this to get mad at how much Gene Simmons <laughs> I was going to have to watch, but then I really didn't have to watch any no. Gene Simmons. No, but I I will actually defend some of Gene Simmons' cinematic work though. Oh, but shit. let's let's talk about that in a little okay. bit when we, when we get to his. In this and scene. one thing on him, he was also offered the role of Sammy Kerr. But he wanted to do the DJ, and he said he did the role as a tribute to famous rock DJ Wolfman Jack. Okay. Yeah, he was like one of his uh, Jack, yeah. childhood idols yeah, growing up. I feel that. Right. I see that. Um, so the basic plot, right. Mark Price 
uh, then known most popularly as Skippy from Family Ties, the old sitcom. <laughs> he plays, he calls himself Ragman. That's like his code name. And that was actually know. an alternate name for the film in right. some territories. Yeah. Uh, but his name's Eddie, and he's like, yeah, he's Sammy Kerr's biggest fan. And he's a. <laughs> Okay, I can relate to this movie a little bit too much. I know when I was watching it, I wanted I wanted That's to make, high school Jason. Isn't I wanted it? to make the joke. This is an autobiography or a biography of Jason's life. <laughs> it speaks to me, man. It speaks to me. So he, he's bullied by these forty-year-olds who should not be at his school. Oh God, we have to talk about that for a minute. Like I get that in the eighties, it was a thing where they usually had older-looking actors. Sure, to play you got to get around the students. labor laws and all that crap. But holy shit, like some of them are rough. One of the guys in the. Um, locker room room scene scene. he looks like he just walked off the set of some italian mafia movie (laughs) like that he's like a hitman on an italian mafia movie puts on a flannel and shows up on the set to play a teenager and and the guy on top of the lockers like a blonde dude i mean he's 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 pushing 40 he's gotta be (laughs) or he's living rough one or the other i mean it's the 80s it's the 80s uh but yeah there's the only kids who actually look like they belong there is the main kid yeah, the main three. Yeah, um, some of the girls look teenagerish. It it drifts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the main the main one. I'm sorry, I didn't care enough about their characters to remember their names. <laughs> um, well, his his buddy uh, Roger is played by Glenn Morgan, mm-hmm. the director, who would go on to do like X File, write and direct X Files, Final Destination, Willard, uh-huh. like. Yeah. Black Christmas remake. And this was his okay. only attempt at acting. Yeah. He did a fine job. I didn't think he was bad. He no. actually kind of reminded me of me. <laughs> <laughs> so this would have been us if we were in high school. It would have been, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. But yeah, I do relate to Eddie. He's he's bullied. He's picked on. He loves heavy metal. Uh... <laughs> so, I got to be honest. Yeah, go before, on. We go before we go past this bullying thing. Sure. Uh, I was bullied in school growing up. But watching this movie, man, I don't know. I... Almost felt like he is the source of his own problem a little bit, in a way. Just the way he reacts to stuff. So the victim is <laughs> at fault here, is what you're saying. <clears throat> I don't okay, know, Dustin. man. It's just the way it struck me. I don't know. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. And, I mean, right. That's the reason why some people are bullied, because they're a little different, or they're a little awkward, or they don't act the right way. I don't think he ever did anything to bring the bullying down on him. Hmm. I think there's a different reaction, too, on how you respond to being bullied, depending on your personality. Mm-hmm. Mine is more like I'm just going to return back into myself and like try to get out of the situation. But I watched so many kids, when they would get bullied, like try to out-bully the bullies, in a way. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, ooh, this isn't going to end well at all. And I think that's maybe what you're saying about what Eddie does here. Is like he tries to out bully the bully. I don't know. I still feel really bad for his character. Well, he doesn't really start fighting back until yeah. so, until so he, he he learns that Sammy Kerr, his idol, has died in the hotel fire. Yeah. So and there's a little more context to it too. Uh, he was wanting to come play at their high school Halloween dance. Right, because he came from that high school. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. in Ellum. Yeah. But they wouldn't let him because, you know, Satan. Right. Because heavy metal is evil. And that's where you see like some uh, new snippets of the whole PMRC type thing. Mm-hmm. You got Sammy Kerr talking to these Congress people or whatever. And yeah. He talks about how they're all rocks chosen warriors to, who rule the apocalypse and all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. So Eddie, a.k.a. Skippy, a.k.a. Ragman, is <laughs> upset that Sammy Kerr is dead, which 
I think some people watching this might be like, dude, get over it. But this is such a real thing. I mean, when Kurt Cobain died in the 90s, in my school, it was palpable. I mean, people were crying. They were, they were messed up. I felt it pretty heavy when Idol died. I felt it pretty heavy when Lemmy died. Yeah, right. I think that hit me pretty hard. Especially when you were a teenager, you really identify with these people. Yeah, it's a real thing. I mean, we don't need to downplay how much music affects people and how much music is like therapy for people. Mm -hmm. And you know, no matter what style or genre the music is, it's therapeutic for people. So when somebody that you look up to and respect, who's created that for you, right, like dies, yeah, that's a it's a big deal. Sure. So he has this kind of like Marty Doc Brown relationship with the DJ played by Gene Simmons. He just shows up, right? Yep. DJ Nuke. DJ Nuke. Oh, an interesting production note. Because you'll notice in his uh, DJ booth right across the hall is a door marked women. That is not a restroom. That was a room full of naked women waiting for Gene Simmons. <laughs> as per his contract. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people don't know that. Uh, so Skippy goes in and talks to Gene Simmons, who, who does a fine job here. He's is, fine, yeah. So Gene Simmons is actually a pretty decent actor. Have you ever seen... He uh, has to be. That's all Kiss is. <laughs> right. True. Whoa. True. True. Uh, <laughs> I think the show is going to get canceled. Yeah, after probably. <laughs> We're going to... What? The Kiss Army is going to come after us? <laughs> Bring it, Kiss Army. My uncle. <laughs> My uncle shows up. <laughs> but like uh, the movie Runaway, have you ever seen that? No. Uh, mid-80s science fiction movie with Tom Selleck? Uh, no, I have not. <laughs> okay, that is a possible future watch for this pod. Um, but he plays a bad guy in that, and he's pretty good. Does you know? Tom Selleck have his uh, his wiener hanging out at all? What? In, his wiener's almost hanging out in most of Magnum P.I. Is it? You clearly haven't watched Magnum P.I. like I've watched Magnum mm. P.I. <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> Dustin's like face mm. has just gone into straight horror right now. <laughs> so he talks to the DJ. <laughs> he talks to the DJ, and the DJ knows all about his obsession with Sammy Kerr and all this stuff, right? So he hands, the DJ hands Skippy. I'm just calling him Skippy from now on. That's um, fair. A demo album, vinyl. That Sammy Kerr had made, and somehow the DJ wound up with. I guess the his agent gave it to him or something. I don't know. I view the DJ as um, kind of more of a supernatural, See, like type a devil character. figure. <laughs> yeah. so that, that's actually a question I have because he just disappears. Yeah, exactly. He's the gone fact that he's not the there yeah. for the rest of it. I almost view him as like the devil. He's like some sort of manifestation, or yeah, something of like, like just, here you go, kid. Yeah. So what? He was just hanging out in the town. Waiting for this moment. Waiting for this mm-hmm. moment. Yes, mm. he knew what's up. So the DJ makes a tape of the of the record, but gives the record to Skippy. And the album is called "Songs in the Key of Death," which is a parody of a Stevie Wonder album, "Songs in the Key of Life." Right, which is a pretty pretty fun title. I, I like that that title, "Songs yeah. in the Key of yeah. Death." That's pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Um. So of course he takes it home and plays it, and now at some point he plays it backwards. Well, he notices there's. Parts in the track where it sounds funny. Right. There's some back masking, obvious back masking going when it's played forward. That's right. And that yeah. gets us to the other like big cross section of like heavy metal and horror, I think. Because mm-hmm. that was the thing back at the time. I mean, even Judas Priest went on trial mm-hmm. for like, they were accused of putting in back mask messages in their music for kids to kill themselves and bullshit like that. It's, but it's gone all the way back to the Beatles, though. Yeah, like sure. Paul's they accused dead, all that thing. Yeah, they accused. I mean, they would say that all that stuff is in the Beatles stuff, and right? So any music that, of course, parents don't like, they're going to say they're satanic messages or whatever. And I still think the greatest joke around that is from a movie that it's really not very good, but um, 
uh, it's little Nicky. <laughs> Did you ever see the Adam Sandler movie? Unfortunately. But when he's like, man, no, that none of that shit's the stuff where the backmasking is. And he puts on a Chicago record and spins it back. And it's like, hail Satan. <laughs> <laughs> so that makes more sense. It's a pretty great joke for, you know. Yeah. It, it's sorry. I'm sorry I brought up little Nicky that you're going to have to link that. Yeah. You don't have to. Don't feel obligated. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so... I mean, some things happen. We don't have to go over every little detail. But basically, what happens is the record starts talking to him. Yes, right. it connects hear, him with yeah. Sammy. You hear Sammy Kerr's voice, and he's telling him how to get vengeance against these bullies. He's, like, he's telling him what to do. So then... going to uh, nail them all. Right. Skippy starts following these instructions, and he sort of gets back at them. It was such a weird way to get back at them. Like It doesn't really go all the way. Like, there's that scene... Which would have been really cool if you let it happen. But where the main bully gets like his tie caught in the drill press or Oh whatever. the lathe, yeah. yes. Yeah, the lathe, right. And Skippy at the last minute turns it off. That was actually a, if that scene would have gone through, that was great. And that's also why you don't wear loose clothing when you're working with lathes. Absolutely. Everyone knows this. Right. Because a lathe will suck you in quickly. <laughs> right. <laughs> I Sorry. Mean, in, in their defense, they were not in, you know woodshop class at the time they didn't expect the equipment to become turned on yeah you shouldn't walk near it <laughs> i think they were more worried about chasing him yeah so they yeah. start getting scared of him now and the bullies are like stay away from me man and all this crap well i think the part that really bought like the bullying moment that bothered me the most like that actually made me feel so bad uh-huh. was when um skippy is showering <laughs> and which still yeah. cracks me i Thankfully, we never had to do the whole showering thing at school. Yeah, and it was like, before our time. Um, you had to walk around naked around all your classmates and all that kind of stuff. Well, in my school, we didn't have to. I just chose to. Oh. <laughs> That's how you got your reputation. <laughs> Little Jason. No wonder I got bullied so yeah. much. No, but they end up like <laughs> grabbing his towel as they push him out the door. Uh-huh. And he falls naked out into the basketball court where mm-hmm. girls are playing volleyball. Yeah. And someone takes a Polaroid of them. Yeah. Um, which the girl that he's interested in, what's her name? Uh, Leslie, Leslie Played by Lisa or He Skippy has this big thing for Leslie and Leslie clearly has a crush on him too, but Leslie's so chicken shit that she never, ever fucking stands up for this kid. It also doesn't feel warranted, her affection toward him, really. It's, it's almost Maybe pit- it's sympathy. It's almost pity and sympathy is what, yeah, what I feel. It seems like the, for, it, the forced you know? like, 80s teen movie thing almost, too, where it's like, girl in the popular crowd kind of has a thing for the out- for the loner guy. Right, right. That, But see, she just ended up making me mad. Mm-hmm. Because I don't... like. I guess it's bigger now that I'm older and like... Now I don't tolerate bullying whatsoever. Sure. Mm-hmm. Like, if I see a bully... You stop it. I say something, you know. You see something, say something. Yeah. But, like... <laughs> yes. She pissed me off because she's, like, just allowing it to happen. Yeah, she even invites him to the big pool party. And never the... fucking shows up. Yeah, like, she's, she's there. there. She's there late or something. And what does she expect's gonna happen? And they try to kill the kid in the pool party. Yeah, they, they put, put a, a weight in his backpack, right? And push, push him, him down. Pool. It didn't look that heavy, but, I mean, still. Well, it's Skippy. He's not that strong. <laughs> 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 and yeah, she dives down and saves him. Yeah. So that kind of humiliates him even more, I guess. That yeah. was the scene where you get the obligatory boobies of the 80s, too. Yeah. There yeah, there's some... chicks just hanging out topless. Yeah, that was a really weird high school pool party. Yeah, that it was, like it was, that was not my... hours kind of thing. <laughs> that was not ever my experience in high school. <laughs> Nor was got... it mine. <laughs> when you've got uh, 40-year-olds in your school. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
They're all hanging out smoking, <laughs> chain smoking, and drinking the taco vodka. Hey, kid, want to have a pool party? <laughs> I gotta go pick up my kid from daycare. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Um, yes, he starts pursuing his revenge. Yeah, and Sammy tells him via the backward record. And every time he plays this record backward, it just, oh my god, it drives me crazy. Because it's like you're, you're ruining your record player. It's yeah. horrible. Don't they even make the joke about that? He, Do they? He, I think he even says his that back, says something his buddy that. says backmasking is just a ploy to get you to play your records backwards so you ruin it and have to go buy another copy. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, yeah, that's maybe, I don't know. Well, but, I mean, they make certain... Types you can play backwards, but it depends on what stylus you have. What belt this you was have, not stuff, okay. Right. Calm down, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is not vinyl exposure. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it should be. Um, yeah, <laughs> but the more that Skippy starts interacting with this record, the more um, he starts to notice that bad things are happening, yeah. and that it starts almost like he's pranking them back, and then it starts to get more sinister, yeah. more lethal, and his personality starts to change, too. He becomes, like, more aggressive. Yeah, like, there's a scene where his mom's going through his stuff, right? She's going through his, her, his albums and all that, and, and he comes across... I got excited because she comes across an Exciter album that I have on vinyl. <laughs> God <laughs> damn it. Unveiling the Wicked. I was Jesus. like, yeah, I got that one. Shit, man. Shit, this is the whole reason Jason picked this movie. Is so he can sit here and be like, actually, guys, I'd like to talk about vinyl for a while. I like to talk about heavy metal. I like to talk about rock and roll. And horror movies and heavy metal go together. Oh, yeah. They do. You know. But anyway, yes. So, and then, like, the, the stereo's coming on by itself and shit and scaring her. Mm-hmm. And he comes in. And he's like, oh, what are you doing? Looking through your porn, kid. Wow. Okay. Uh, but right, he's getting more aggressive, standing up for himself a bit more, maybe a little too much. But doesn't the record tell him to like make a tape or something and give it to the yeah? Well, yeah, you got to spread it, right? You got to spread him. You got to spread Sammy Kerr all around. Yeah, uh, Ring totally ripped off this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't Instead know. Instead of making a VHS copy, one. you've got to make no. It is the first one. Ring ripped it off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in general, I'm sure there's another film that's done this before. Probably. Trick or treat. You're probably right. So, um, but he gives a tape to the bully, right? Like a peace offering. Yeah. That's right. He, he leaves it in his locker with a note that says a peace offering. Yeah. And later on, the bully is out with his chick parking. <laughs> and he gets up to go take a dump or whatever. <laughs> and she's like rifling through his tapes. And it's an awkward one out. thing, too, because they're like making out. And then he just like gets he up stops. and walks off. He has to go out. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, that scene was interesting. Yeah. So she puts the tape in a Walkman's listening to it on the headphones. And the spirit of Sammy Kerr, like, kind well, of manifests? Well, according to uh, the producers and director and stuff, that was, I think its name was Skeeksis. And it was, like, supposed to be the mascot for Sammy Kerr's band. Oh, well, that would have been nice if we knew that. Right. It should have been featured more. Yeah. It's kind of like the whole, did you know that um, all of the people on Exegol were, like, <laughs> worshipping? Like, how would we know that? No, I didn't How know that. would we know that, J.J. Wow, Abrams? that makes the movie so much better Wow, now. if only you would have told me that before I fucking watched it. <laughs> So, yeah, like, he shows up all of a sudden, and he's all, like, all fangly looking and shit. And, yeah, that should have been featured more. But, um, but yeah, it actually... She's overcome by the music, and apparently she's getting aroused. And the spirit thing starts to... Um, gets a little rapey. Yeah. A little rapey. Yeah, it does. I was a little torn on that scene, because I was like, I don't know how much of this is consensual, how much is not, you know, like... I don't know. Right. I mean, it, but, sure, it's a, it's a horror movie. It's supposed to be, you know... Push the boundaries, right? Yeah, well, 
yeah. Maybe the thing like kind of looked like, um, uh, oh, a terror dog though from. I could see that. <laughs> you yeah. don't see it much, but it kind of <laughs> like when it jumps out, it kind of looked like the terror. Um, dog. But in yeah. result, it blows her ears out. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah, the dude comes back, the bully comes, I don't even know his name, the bully, we'll just call him the bully. <laughs> the he comes back and he's bully. like, hey, what's wrong, girl? <laughs> hey, you, girl. <laughs> hey, you, hey, you think that. What's wrong with you? Uh, <laughs> but she won't respond, he like pulls the the, um, the headphone headphone back against her ear and it's like all melted. And it's actually kind of, it looks pretty it's cool, It's a good I effect. Think. Yeah, and it's all melted. So what happens when you leave your girl to go take a dump? When you listen to heavy metal, man, You hit, that's going to happen. Yeah. You know, you're going to melt your ears. And he shows up at Skippy's house later saying, what did you do, man? What did you do? She's in the hospital. She's not even dead. She's in the hospital. Probably permanently traumatized by all this. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I'm sure. Um, and then he's like, you know, it's, you're freaky. You're weird. You're doing this. Stay away from me. Yeah, now... Now he has taken on the role of... And at this point, you think he's going to get possessed by Sammy. I never thought that, he was going to get really? possessed by Sammy. That no. seems to be the... Kind of like Freddy, Freddy 2, maybe. You know, he's getting possessed. No, I was gonna... just waiting for Sammy to show up. The whole thing... You didn't think he was going to manifest through Skippy? No, the whole goddamn thing was waiting for Sammy to show up. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's all I was waiting for. Is like, okay, when's Sammy well, showing up? Well, let's talk about Sammy when he shows up. Well, he uh, manifests in... It's during the school Halloween party. There's a little bit of build-up, though. That's true. That he, he comes out of the speakers or whatever. Yeah. And this bolt of electricity and everything. He in, comes in out Skippy's of the speakers room. in Skippy's room. And which he's, like, is, posing. Which is the weirdest room I think I've ever seen. It's, it's like an attic loft. It kind of yeah. looks like an attic loft, but it's on the same level as, like... Well, it looked better before he had his, like, bitch fit and tore down all the posters. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And his really cool Judas Priest calendar. Yeah. <laughs> there was also a D. Snyder picture there too. I uh-huh. think. Yeah. So yeah. Um, but yeah, when Sammy he manifests because Eddie's kind of thinking like, uh, maybe I need to not do this anymore. He starts to have that regret about what he's doing. Right. Right. So Sammy in full leather clad. Oh yeah, yeah like a badass. Sex and the spikes in the leather, and half of his face is all burnt. Very. They're definitely going for a Freddy Krueger vibe. Here. Huge hair to his massive '80s rocker hair. Oh yeah. Um, his uh. Uh, his pistol finger, his snort finger. Yeah. He's got one long, uh, <laughs> one long fingernail. For, they never guess, draw his... attention to it, but yeah. It's but that's obvious. his that that's his coke finger. Everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Um, and Sammy Kerr is played by a guy named Tony Fields, who apparently was a professional dancer. He was on Solid Gold a lot, apparently. <laughs> and this becomes pretty apparent later on when he shows up playing he's, for he's the kids. He's got some moves. He's got some moves. Uh, he's got some we... Kip Winger esque. But uh, yeah, he basically was like, yeah. you know, you you can't stop. You have to keep going. Right. So at this point, this I think this is where Skippy's like, uh-oh. Yep. Yeah, he smashes all of his equipment and shit. Yeah, I think I fucked up. And tries Breaks to, the record, yeah, smashes the Tries stereo. to stop him, um, but he doesn't stop him. And before before this ramps up, there are two little scenes I want to talk about. Okay. okay. So there's the Aussie cameo. Right, We need to talk about that. It's, it's the little thing on TV that it cuts to you. Yeah. But he plays the Reverend Aaron Gilstrom. Mm-hmm. And it's basically just him mocking these people... That would like talk about the evils of heavy the metal. Televangelists yeah. at the time and all that crap, yeah. This was and this is pre Ozzy being unintelligible. You can actually <laughs> yeah. understand what Ozzy's saying here. This is good eighties. Yeah, and apparently they just let him kinda of ad lib. Like he apparently he talked for like almost an hour. Just like, <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't surprise I mean, it, it, it's all the uh, the rock and roll is the problem. <laughs> and you could just see the smile on his face, like that he's mi- mocking and mimicking this. He gets it, yeah. 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 
Yeah, it's great. Super fun. And then... <laughs> Sammy, maybe you're about to talk about this. Uh, the other one I wanted to talk about was... Uh, I don't remember if it's a dream sequence or what happens, but we get a little clip of like what actually happened to Sammy, because they say he died in a hotel fire. Yeah. But we see a little bit of it, and during the fire, he's like doing a ritual. He's mm-hmm. like sitting, chanting. He's in front of a pentagram or whatever. Mm-hmm. People are on fire behind him. Yeah. That was actually kind of a cool shot. That was a long like burn. That yeah. really was a long uh, yeah. shot for that for those burns on those people. Which I'm always impressed by those. Like after you kind of start watching stuff about stuntmen and like, yeah. and you realize, oh shit! Like the burn stunts are are really, really, really dangerous. Right. And they've they've been done so much through like the 70s and 80s that yeah. you just kind of get used to them, but you don't realize how many people got royally fucked up by those stunts. Yeah, watch that Kane Hodder uh, biography. The, the movie, I forget what it's called. So I'm always looking at, like, okay, how long is the burn on screen so mm-hmm. we know how long they actually were on fire, and those people were on fire for a long time. <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. It's a good executed scene. Imagine getting yourself scarred for life just for doing trick-or-treat. Whew. Not worth it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like the movie, but it's not worth it. So what, what were you going to bring up? Oh, the scene where he manifests himself to Skippy, and then the TV turns on, and it's Ozzy as the preacher. Yeah. And Sammy kind of like reaches down and swipes against the TV and you see Ozzy put his hand up to his face and go, ah! Yeah, yeah. Well, Sam, it turns out Sammy Kerr is able to do this in other ways. Because <laughs> um, we'll talk about my favorite scene of the film. One of my two favorite scenes is when... Let's uh, talk about him now, yeah. Okay, when Sammy manifests himself um, to his friend... Roger, yeah. Roger. And there's a woman on TV, an old woman, yes. uh, talking about, like, I guess the, the horror, evils, of heavy, the evils of heavy metal. And he reaches through the screen, Sammy reaches through the screen and pulls out this, like, doll of her. <laughs> uh-huh. But she's fried. It's like a charred husk. A charred husk. She's also, like, small. She's, yeah. like, a quarter of the size she should be. She's comically small. But I think the best thing is once he leaves, yeah. it's Roger <laughs> trying to vacuum up the uh, yes. dust of <laughs> this old woman. Yeah, yeah. That's one of the scenes where, if you were to call this a horror comedy, that's one yeah. of the scenes that I think was intentionally supposed to be funny. Oh, definitely. But so much, there was nothing else funny in the movie, so therefore it just the joke just kind of fell off. But still was funny, because he's trying to vacuum up this old woman's Burnt remains of this woman. But uh, Sammy goes to Roger, because where Eddie's sort of like out on this now, he basically confronts Sam and is like, hey, take this tape. Go to the school dance, play it, or I'll kill you. Yeah, and <laughs> Sammy or Skippy had already told Roger like you need to destroy, to destroy the tape, uh, mm-hmm. right. and Roger's like, yeah, I destroyed the tape, sure. And at this point, you're thinking, okay, so Sammy's able to live because of this music being reproduced, yeah. right? Existing, and you were thinking, okay, the key to killing him is to destroy the tape, right? Okay. Um, so this my second favorite part of the movie is kind of in line. Um, it's because now the school dance. Mm-hmm. It's happening. Big old Halloween party. Big old Halloween school Halloween Fun party. Costumes. Dumpty Dumpty sitting up there on the balcony. <laughs> and I love when you first see it, like the music's playing and no one's dancing. They're all just standing <laughs> yeah. around. Which is my experience in most high school dances. Mm-hmm. But Sammy Kerr shows up. And uh, yeah, Ron- yeah, they have this band, an actual live band playing, which most of the members are from Fastway. <laughs> it's great because they, they come out and they're getting ready, they're tuning. The guy's messing with his amp, right? And all the kids are just sort of bored, sitting there waiting. And all the electricity is playing on the amp. And doesn't, like, Sammy reach out from the amp and grab him? I think so, yeah. yeah. Yes. And then the lights go off. And then it's Sammy there taking the, the 
the place of their lead singer, and the band like barely even registers this. They're like, they're not like, oh, where did our singer go? Who's no, this guy? They're possessed by the charisma of Sammy Kerr. Well, they look a little puzzled at first, but but when the metal much more alarmed. But when the metal takes over, it's about the music, man. Yeah, it's about like this dude looks like he's going to lead us in some killer fucking metal. Yeah, right he now. starts hitting his side, you know, the leather clad. So you, side. so as I can say this, and Dustin can say this. As musicians, uh-huh. when the metal comes over you, you just fucking go with it, man. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm like, sure. you don't be the yeah. one to shut it down. You're like, all right, some people just died, but fuck it. I need to hammer out this power chord right now. And my question is, because uh, Sammy has a guitar for a couple of minutes, plays a couple of chords, and it's like, is that his song? Or is he playing one of the bands who came there to play the dance, one of their songs? I think it's they obviously know the song. his they, song. They start playing it. They play along. I think it was probably one of his hits. The vibe I got from their faces is like they already know how to play this song. Right, because it's such a great popular mm-hmm. song, and they just go into it. Okay. Yeah. Um, that but, was bothering me. But the important part up. of that guitar that Sammy <laughs> Kerr is holding is only to fire electricity bolts yeah. at... The poor kids who just fucking came to the dance. The kids are getting into it. They're yeah. digging it. And they, they hear one girl say, he even looks like Sammy Kerr. And then he just starts, yeah, blasting them with these big shots of electricity. And they just vaporize. It's like the Mandalorian's disintegration rifle. Yeah. They just poof. They vaporize. There is one great um, wire pull, though, yeah. that they yeah. do for that kid. That they <laughs> Poor stuntman was just on a wire, and they just yanked the fuck out of him. And he goes flying backwards. Yeah. I was a good. little underwhelmed with some of this, though, because, like, he just vaporizes them. There's no, like, blast of gore or, sure. you know, like, he gets the one person and it's their shoes and it just pans up and it's only the shoes. Yeah. How much money do you think they have, Dustin? They <laughs> spent all their money on Gene Simmons' woman closet. <laughs> and the, the demon puppet that you use exactly once. For I'm saying, and, you know, spend it wisely. And the electric, the electricity um, rotoscoping that they do um, <laughs> right. to show that. Animation stuff. But. We have to say, Sammy Kerr has a weakness. Toilets? Toilets. <laughs> uh, there's this, Sammy is chasing um, Skippy it, through the house. Yeah. We should say, he shows up at the dance to try to save everyone. Yeah. yeah. And that ensues this ongoing chase. Uh, that goes on way too long. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's chasing Skippy through the house. Skippy runs into the bathroom and decides like the way he's going to slow Sammy Kerr down is to throw this... like really flimsy Ikea thing at him. And Sammy just fucking trips over it. Yeah, it's pretty embarrassing. <laughs> he trips over it. It smashes to pieces, but Sammy's hand falls in the toilet. Yeah. And he starts screaming in pain. Yeah. You see electricity playing out. Um, so his weakness is toilets. Obviously. <laughs> obviously. But the best part is that... I, I like to think maybe there was like some unflushed turds in yeah. there. Oh, he's like, oh, oh no. Gross. Oh, gross. <laughs> but the best part is that as he's starting to come out of the toilet... Um, the girl flushes it yes. again and like sucks him back he's down stuck. into he's it. Stuck. Right, and they run out. Yeah, <laughs> so he's clearly stopped by this fucking toilet. So okay, it's water because he's electricity, right? So the water is the electricity. I guess I don't know. It's like Horace Pinker from Shocker a couple of years later. Um, but yeah, uh, Eddie saves Leslie, and they kind of reconcile finally and hash out. Yeah, because he had got upset with her about the whole like pool prank sure. rightfully uh, she right. she was like innocent she just was trying to be nice to invite him and she didn't know that was going to happen but he kind of thinks that she was in on it, it yeah. right i mean it looked that way yeah mm. i don't blame him for reading it like that no that's pretty he almost died there he got ptsd <laughs> so they finally Shit. they reconcile they they team up to stop this and they know that nuke has a tape copy of the record yes he was planning to play as like a midnight tribute 
to right. Sammy. So he reasons that this is how Sammy's going to, I don't know, go nationwide. I don't know. Got to get to the rec- uh, the studio. Got to destroy the tape. Right. And that's when Nuke's nowhere in sight, which leads to your theory that perhaps he's like some He's sort very of, Faustian type when thing. They, yeah. When they finally go in there, into the radio station, everyone's dead, it seems like. So I thought he was just killed with everyone else. It would have been nice to see a body or something. They, Gene know. Simmons doesn't play dead for anyone. <laughs> he's in the woman room. You want to find Gene Simmons, he's in the <laughs> women's they room. Gone. They could have just used the old woman prop. Yeah. The, the, the dried up no, that's that's now in a vacuum. <laughs> uh, so now the way that Skippy's going to defeat Sammy Kerr is he tells Leslie to count to a hundred, mm-hmm. and he takes this police car uh, that they've stolen and driven all through town. Um, he takes this police car now with a radio, throws it in the back seat, and he drives, and he's going to get. He's going to lock up Sammy Kerr in the back of this car. Sammy comes through electrical devices. Yeah. So, so he comes through the radio in the back seat. But, but he's, he's trapped by the, the grave. Yeah, and the only way to get him in there is just to talk shit about him. <laughs> yeah. But the car itself is also electrical. How can he just come through the car and be in the front seat right next to Skippy? You know? I don't know. Is this? It could have been a 70s cruiser, and they might not have had that much electrical stuff in it at the time. I don't know. <laughs> I don't fucking we know. We may be questioning radio. this film this too much. Be... I don't know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so he ends, finally he gets him when he finally tells him like you, like you need me, like I'm you. You're nothing without your fans. Right. And mm-hmm. Sammy's like the fuck I'm not, and like shows up in the back of the car. But he can't get through the grate. Yeah, because why? Electricity can't travel through metal either. <laughs> no, right. Uh, that's fully impossible. He can't just yeah fry Skippy from the back seat or, yeah. or, or um, melt through it with his electricity. And honestly, like after this is when. Leslie runs in and just blows up the fucking station. Yeah, and he, yeah. he drives the car into the drink. Yeah. With Sammy Kerr in it, and I guess that kills him. Yeah. In the water. I've got a lot of logistical submerged. problems with the end of the film. <laughs> oh, oh, do you? Yeah. So, if you're telling me there are problems with this movie. If, if the goal was to stop it from being played, because the idea is that he's played, he'll be in every radio, yeah, and it'll like be like his first. Yeah. Technically, they failed. It was already played, so I don't know why destroying the one tape stops it at that point. It just anyone, right. Anyone? I mean, there, any there, there, there's no real rule set. That's mm-hmm. that's one of the movie's problems. There's no like because even in, in a horror film, you have to establish the rules, suspension of disbelief. Okay, once you're given the rules, fine. But there really aren't any. No, there's no rules. <laughs> and it feels like a very abrupt ending too, because it's like he crashes in. There's no real like major final confrontation in a way. Oh yeah, this movie should. I actually more. had to rewind it because I thought I missed the ending. <laughs> Like, Did I fall asleep? No, uh, no, I didn't miss the ending. That was it. That was the ending. <laughs> but, but the final little thing is, it's like the it's the radio station again. You got the DJ talking, but it's Eddie now, right? Yeah, his yeah. ragman. I just yeah. forgot. He's like, I don't fucking know. I don't know. I don't know who is there. Yeah, because uh, it's, it's the ragman, which is his gnome de plume or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Anybody got any more shit they want to talk about before we do final thoughts? On I want to talk movie? about the director who shows up as the principal at the school party. Okay. Uh, Charles Martin Smith. Do you guys know who he is? He's more popular as an actor. I know. He's probably best known, which he did this a year after this movie. He's probably best known uh, for his role in The Untouchables. He oh. was the FBI accountant. Oh, cool. Yeah, I really like The, the Untouchables. Yeah, he's the guy with the glasses, real you know, bookish guy, the one who gets killed by uh, Frank Nitti in the elevator. I got some stuff. <laughs> so, uh, the special effects were by Kevin Yeager. 
He later worked on Freddy Krueger and the Crypt Keeper from mm-hmm. Tales from the Crypt. Uh, he has a cameo in the film as the lead singer-guitarist for that band on stage. Nice. So that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, Jaeger's a good effects guy. No. I don't have anything else. <laughs> I got this one thing that Soundtrack's I tell good. You about. Soundtrack's I have, good. I have a lot of questions just about how the mechanics work. And, uh-huh. and, you know, another question I had throughout the film. So he does the record. He Sammy starts to talk to him. Uh-huh. And then when Sammy confronts him, he says, you know, you made a deal with me. You can't back out. Did he, though? Really? Like, they never talk. They never make some kind of pact or um, anything. I, th- I think when he bought his records, it was some sort of a deal he made. It's like your agreement. Well, Dustin, with, it's like actually. Your, it's your agreement with Apple that you just, you know. You didn't read it? to without reading, yeah. Actually. It just seems very vague. So all of the people on Exegol. Um, <laughs> were... <laughs> Dustin, did you know? <laughs> I need a tie-in comic book, I guess. Is what <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, you the, read the novel. The novel. If you read the novelization, I'm you would true. know how the it all played out. <laughs> um, and then another thing I wanted to talk about before our final thoughts. So, there's this whole idea of like in the '80s they had this push about like heavy metal's evil, it's satanic, it's the devil, da 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 da. And Damn right. This film is like playing with that idea. But doesn't the plot of the film kind of just affirm all of that? Absolutely. All of those heavy metal horror movies back in the day did exactly that. It's it's like they're they're running against the adults who are saying the music is bad and terrible by showing that yeah, it's bad. It actually is satanic. It actually is evil. <laughs> so, but that also makes it cool because what what would be more cool than that? The you know, for a teenager, the iconography of Lucifer, Satan in general is rebellion. Sure, like that's right. literally the that's entire. You just want to piss your parents off. And so it's like this in the 80s with all of these heavy metal films. It's just reiterating like, yeah, we're fucking rebels, man. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, Satan's real. Yeah, we're all worshiping Satan because fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think also at, at, like a lot of the slashers of the time, it, it, it is kind of a warning to kids. There are dangerous things out there. You know, maybe not necessarily the music. But, I mean, all the good horror movies are actually sort of a fable in some way. Yeah. You know, like a cautionary tale. And the true villains of this film were the bullies. Like, they almost killed him. Like, Sammy Kerr's a villain, but, like, Mm -hmm. those bullies literally almost killed the kid. Yeah, what's their excuse? Yeah, they're not being controlled by some... They're 40, and they didn't know what they did with their life. (laughs) They're in a high school. I don't know why they're still there. They're 40 years old. They're drinking vodka at a high school pool party. (laughs) They've clearly made poor decisions in their life, and that's where they've ended up. So they're just going to throw a weight in this kid's backpack and shove him in the pool. Yeah. Mm. That's how I deal with my failures in my life. Bad life choices. Um, Yeah. So I did notice while watching something that I'm going to say that I, I do like about this movie. Okay. Um, is that it inspired better movies? Um, because isn't the plot of this super similar to Deathgasm? Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 But Deathgasm fucking rules. Yeah, Deathgasm's great. Um, but it's definitely inspired by this for sure. Yeah. But this, like, so I will say thank you for Trick or Treat because it got me Deathgasm. Well, that, that is the last thing I wanted to ask as like a topic. Um, do you guys have a personal favorite heavy metal horror film? I've got two. What's here? Yeah, what is Deathgasm it? is one, and then Heavy Trip. Nice. Um, which I don't know if you guys have seen Heavy Trip. Heavy Trip is fun. Um, have you seen it, yeah, Dustin? Yeah. The it's, way it's they good. get their band picture is my absolute favorite. <laughs> By uh, driving uh, or trying to run as fast as they can for this speed camera, <laughs> <laughs> and they get their uh, yeah. That's it's that one's great. If you love black metal, 
or heavy metal at all, you should see Heavy Trip. And then Deathgasm is just like a gore fest, which is awesome. What about you, Jason? Um, oh my gosh. I, I think the ones I like the most are the ones that are not necessarily about heavy metal. Somewhat, you know, so obviously is this one, but um, I consider it a heavy metal movie because it's the whole backwards record thing plays into it, but the gate. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nice. The heavy, heavy banger kid plays the record backward, and you know, there's incantations in the album sleeve and stuff like that. So I, I think that qualifies. Mm-hmm. I'll accept it. Yeah, awesome. excellent. But if we're talking about soundtracks, I think Shocker has the best soundtrack. I mean, it's got Iggy Pop on it. It's got Alice Cooper, uh, Megadeth. You mean Boogie Pop. <laughs> I mean Boogie Pop. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh which I also have on vinyl. By oh, the way. God damn Shocked it. it. <laughs> Just move along with the final impression so we can so, shut this motherfucker so up. So mine, and it's another one that's kind of adjacent, but I think tonally it's right there. Uh, Idle Hands. Oh, God. Yeah, it just got a great remaster a couple yeah. years ago, too. I love that film, and it's got that same stuff where it's like, because uh, he goes to the one guy to try to figure out what's going on about his hand being possessed. He's playing, uh, I still blatantly remember that. He's got that huge pickup truck, yep. and he's playing Motley Crue, Shout at the yep. Devil, like as loud as possible out of the the truck and the reason he even knows like the lore to give him about what's going on is because of the metal music yeah and that too builds up and ends at a big uh, halloween dance i want to see that again uh, it's a great movie did uh, you but did you get the blue oh yeah i got the okay i i never saw that one really Woo! it's actually really fun seth green is in it mm-hmm. um and uh Fuck, I think it's the guy who it's went on Devin to... Devin Saw, isn't it? Yeah, Devin Saw yeah. is the, the lead, and then that's one of Jessica Alba's first roles. Mm-hmm. Um, and the band at the Halloween party is The Offspring. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's pretty fun. We should all watch that together. Maybe we um, will. It sounds yeah. like a good you know, October movie to watch. Yeah, it's fun. All right, final thoughts. I'll go last. It's my movie. Okay. Um, I was not a fan, really. <laughs> 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 um, it's just... I appreciate its existence because I think that it did inspire a lot of people who watched it to go on to do mm-hmm. some cooler stuff, um, maybe with a little bit more thought and consideration and less cocaine. Um, so I'm going to give this like a two and a half. Okay. That's average. That's fine. Sure. That's not average, Jason. That's your average because you're an old bastard that's just like, it's two a th- fucking one star movie. If we go from one to five. Two and a half is average. Yeah. <laughs> I was never real good at the maths. Um, Michael and I are writers. We don't, we don't do this math. Uh, yeah. I'm going to say two and a half. It just... I think I've laid out my issues with it. Mm-hmm. You know, for things... I don't know. Fuck it. Two and a half. There you go. Uh, uh, ambitious idea. Great. The soundtrack is like five out of five killer. Yeah, it's good If you don't even watch the movie, just go buy the soundtrack, rip it, rip everything, put it in your Halloween playlist. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Especially that title track. Yeah, Trick or Treat needs to be on your playlist. Um, Fun ideas. A lot of rough execution. I felt like it dragged in a lot of places, too, where I think if they had leaned more into the horror comedy, they could have like punched it up a little bit and it would sail yeah. and flow a little better. Uh, but no, I didn't like this very much. Tons of questions <laughs> I don't understand about it. Weird like logic gaps. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Really don't like Eddie a lot, and I hate to say that. Yeah, no. It's I fine. feel like I should take up for him as a, no, as a bully kind of kid, a dick. but he kind of lame. Okay. And sure. I don't know. Don't I didn't like him. Didn't like this film. Uh, two stars. Two stars. Okay. Um, I give it three stars. Oh. I think it's fun. I think it's best watched with a group. 
this is a beer movie. I think this is a really great movie to play during October. You got some friends together, you know. I don't think I case. would mind it in like the middle part of like a three film. Right, and that's what it is. It, it is flawed. It, it, the You're script, a few beers in at that point. Yeah. So. yeah, the script needed a few more passes, yes. Mm-hmm. There, I think there really is a good movie. There was a script. <laughs> <laughs> There's a good movie hidden here somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just fun. I think it's worth watching. Good Halloween party movie. Three stars. Three stars. All right. Um, this isn't streaming on any major platform, but it is streaming on YouTube. It's on the YouTubes as Ragman. Now, the is it title. officially on YouTube, or is this a wayward upload? I think somebody uploaded it. No, no one seemed to give a fuck, though, because it has like 178,000 views on it. <laughs> There's since. like a German Blu-ray out there, I think. There's a DVD floating around, if it's, it's still even print. in print. Is it really? Yeah, it's going for like 45 bucks That's right stupid. Now. That's <laughs> really stupid. Um, but yeah, you can watch this movie on YouTube if you want. I mean... And it probably looks as good as the DVD does. <laughs> it's a great AVHS collectible. I'm sure it is. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, all right. So we got one more title yep. for so the month of October. Round us out on this halloween spirit. And we all kind of did a collective pick for right. this one. We looked at the three that we had covered so far and decided, well, let's pick one more that kind of chains through all of these and keeps the theme of this kind of lighter, kind of fun, mm-hmm. sometimes comedy-leaning... Uh, that's one of the ways you can celebrate Halloween. You can go like deep into the, the scary stuff and, Oh, I want to be filled with terror or you can kind of go like the celebratory party party route. Yeah. That's always been my favorite. The celebratory party route has always been my favorite. It seems to be some of my fondest memories is hanging out with my friends, watching funny, silly Halloween movies, drinking beer, laughing, Hell just yeah. having a good time. Yep. So what did we choose? I think what brought us to this one, too, is this one is actually set on Halloween night. Yep. That's also important. I I assume in that episode we're going to talk a little bit about, like, Halloween set films, probably. Because that's a good topic to cover. Absolutely. So we're going to go with a 80s classic, Night of the Demons. Hell yeah. Nice. All right. It's been fun talking about Trick or Treat, but until next time, uh, feel free, more than feel free, uh, please. I'm just going to beg. I'll just beg at this We're point. We're so lonely. Just fucking write us, somebody. Like, send us a message. Michael's going to come through your electronic devices, much like Sammy Kerr, and grab you and pull you through if you into play, our studio. If you play our title theme backwards. That's, <laughs> I've actually, so when I wrote all the theme music for this, I've actually backmasked all of them. Ooh, so nice. go through and. Uh, yeah, find all the clues. I really need to figure out how to backmask and actually go in and put a backmasking in it. I think you could probably manage that pretty easily. Yeah, I should just stay that. away from my turntable. <laughs> Please write to us. Hit yeah. us up: Facebook, Instagram, Twitters. All right. Until next time, you have been listening to Genre Exposure. Thank you guys so much. Bye, everyone. Happy Halloween. Mm-hmm.